Welcome to All Power to the Developing, a podcast of the Eastside Institute. I'm Lois Holzman, co-founder and director of the Institute, and I want to tell you where our title comes from. The Institute is a center for social change efforts that reinitiate human and community development. We support, connect, and partner with committed and creative activists, scholars, artists, helpers, and healers all over the world. Way back in 2003, Institute co-founder, the late Fred Newman and I, had a paper published with the title, All Power to the Developing. This phrase captures how vital it is for all people to grow, develop, and transform emotionally, socially, and intellectually, if we are to have a shot at creating something positive out of the intense crises we're all experiencing. Our hope is that this podcast series will show you that far from a slogan, all power to the developing is a loving activity, a pulsing heart in an all too cruel world. Welcome to All Power to the Developing and a special episode with Rio. Yeah. Hey, Rio. Hey, Jen. <laughs> nice to see you in Abuja. Nice to, thank Ab- you so much, Jen. <laughs> so let me tell our listeners a little bit about you, uh, Rio, and then we'll, we'll get started. So um, awesome. Rio a.k.a. Rita Izenwa Okoro, is based in Abuja, the capital of Nigeria. She's a social entrepreneur, a dynamo performance activist, an associate of the Eastside Institute, and a leader in the Performing the World International Community and the Global Play Brigade. And I haven't even gotten to your bona fides (laughs) in what you're doing in Nigeria. Um, she's a founder of what she calls her baby, the 15-year-old Street Project Foundation there in Abuja. And since her university days where she was studying creative arts at the University of Lagos, Rita's dream was to harness performance, theater, the creative arts, and build stages with young people who had been trapped in poverty to develop as leaders and to make a living doing what they love. So now flash forward, uh, we'll hear today a lot about the Street Project Foundation and and some about uh, Nigeria and what we've been seeing in recent developments in that country, Africa's most populous country where the average age is 18. So a, a nation of young people with hundreds of thousands of young people living on the streets. Um, in addition to her background in the arts, Rio is also a communications executive. She runs a strategic marketing communications consultancy and helps other nonprofit leaders grow and develop. She hosts a talk show called Online with Rio and uh, um, is the recipient of the Mandela Washington Fellowship for Young African Leaders called YALI 
where she met her husband in Zizenwa in 2014. So, Rio, with 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 that little oh my <laughs> oh my, did, did that's really. It? That's really in all those accolades. I'm like, is this me? Is this me? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> Thank you, Jan. Especially when you said dynamo. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, um, real. let's, why don't we take a few minutes to give the sort of the big picture of what's going on in Nigeria. I think maybe a lot of our, our listeners have seen that in, in the fall of 2020, there were mass protests and uprising in the street by young people. Tell us something about what was going on and, 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 and how this played out. In the month of October, 2020, I would say there was a reawakening um, of the consciousness of the youth and their need to speak up when they see injustices um, being placed on them. And for a very long time, police brutality um, against young people who do not look a certain way, mm-hmm. <laughs> who are different, who are eccentric, who wear their hair a certain way, who carry dreadlocks, um, who, who have tattoos, who are very different um, tra- traditionally um, from how everyone looks. Um, are, are harassed for no just cause. Um, even just owning a laptop or a phone or looking like a young man or woman who's doing well, you're stopped by a police officer um, and you're harassed, um, sometimes killed. Um, and this had been going on for a very long time and the youths rose up and said no more, um, clamoring for the end of SARS and um, this took them on the streets, um, started in Lagos, and then uh, it was a whirlwind. The whole, um, whole country um, were having protests. Um, it, it was quite eye-opening that what we felt, especially those of us who grew up in Lagos, felt that it was such a big thing in Lagos, was widespread all over the country, and youths rose up fighting for their rights, um, matching... And, and all of that. However, on the 20th of October, something happened that, that turned things around that really shook our democracy. A lot of things shake our democracy in Nigeria, but this in particular, because for us, it was like something the youths were championing, something that practically didn't have a leadership, yet we were organized. People were we're bringing food on protest grounds, sharing water, taking care of people's health care, just making sure that the protest was sustainable and that we were being heard by the government and also by the international bodies. Um, and then on, on, on 20th, um, the Lagos state government called for a curfew. And the young people were already on the streets pr- protesting. And if you know Lagos, it's highly densely populated and the, the traffic situation in Lagos is crazy. So telling people um, for at, at a certain time that everybody must be off the streets and all of that, this is like against their fundamental human rights. And then at about 6 p.m., um, the, the military 
um, the army came and shot sporadically um, on the protest ground, specifically the Lekki toll gate. Um, and people were killed, people were injured, and really, um, it, it scattered the entire protest and affected, you know, young people mentally. Um, and everything that's happened after that has been really um, depressing, I must say. But it was a reawakening of what our voices, our collective voices as young people can do to transform in our nation. So, so Rita, you have been with your programs are definitely a part of that reawakening. And there are many factors that you've talked about that are contributing to that reawakening. How do you see that? How do you see young people in Nigeria becoming, maybe it's more cosmopolitan, maybe more connected to other social movements? How, how do you see that happening now? Yes, definitely. Um, one of the things is because of the, um, of course, every young person in Nigeria has a phone. Almost every mm -hmm. young person in Nigeria has a phone. So the even if they don't have internet, they've got a phone, which means they're receiving SMSs. Um, and sometimes when there's free data, they can access Facebook and see what's going on outside of the country, right? Um, people share videos on WhatsApp and they're able to see what's happening in the US, what's happening in Israel, what's happening all over the world. They know what's trendy. Um, and so that whole cross-cultural, um, um, what I say, exchange happening on that this small device um, in one way or the other fashions the way they think, fashions the way um, they process things, fashion the way they also fight for things. And let's not forget that before that period, um, the, the, the Black Lives Matter movement was such a huge thing happening in the US and the stories and even people in Nigeria, Africans in diaspora generally joined in the march. So I also think to a large extent that also would have influenced their reawakening as well to see young people like themselves fighting against the injustices in the United States and all over the world. And they felt, okay, we could do this here as well. We can't keep silent, you know, especially seeing that the leadership of this country is, is largely by the older folk for a country with a median age of 18. It's yeah. quite, it's quite absurd to, to, to find that happen. So, so Rio, since the days of the university, your dream has been to be on the streets with young people, helping them to develop their voices and develop as leaders. What's going on in Abuja now? How is that process going? Um, really, really great. Um, we currently um, concluded a program called um, the Creative Youth Bootcamp Arts for Social Transformation. Mm -hmm. um, and it extended into um, a program which we also called Street University. Uh, and the essence of that is to create a co-creation environment where young people can advocate for issues that they care about. Um, 
So this has resulted into the production of a white paper mm-hmm. titled Factors Impeding Youth Development in FCT Abuja. Creating a safe space where young people can use the creative arts as a tool to facilitate um, opportunities for their development, for their soft skills development, and now for their advocacy um, um, development and reawakening um, is, is teaching them how to, to navigate through the society with their giftings. Um, it, it makes them aware of the power of who they are, of their being. Right. Um, it, it, it postures them, it postures them in, in a way where they understand how they should exist or how they should live in this world. You're, you can't just have a talent and have it for the sake of having a talent. There must be more to having a talent. There must be more to the song that you're able to sing. If you can sing that song, trust me, you can write those songs that will transform and get people thinking about how they navigate and, and move through life. How, how do you use songs to inspire and all of that? If you are a, a storyteller, how do you write stories that are, is able to cause a revolution that is able to transform society. So these are the things that, you know, this is the ecosystem that we are trying as much as possible to evolve and develop in the city of Abuja. And we're hoping to replicate this across the country so that young people find safe spaces, non-judgmental spaces where they can keep on becoming and affecting um, the development of their nation positively. Wow, this, this it seems like you're building upon uh, very old African traditions of narrative, storytelling, music as woven through everyday life. But tell us more about this grouping of young people in FCT Abuja that goes from writing poems and singing songs together to creating a white paper that you're handing to a minister. What Um, what does that look like? Okay, so probably I should just take you through what the process looks like. That's great. Yeah, so like I said, phones are like the one of the easiest ways to access our young people. So the first thing we do is we call out an application. Um, We we do a call for application and um, we do it through Um, SMSs, WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook, all of the social media, and we're we're there. And they they get to apply, and they they get to also, in in their application, it's important for them to make a statement of what motivating them to be part of, you know, the program. Um, And then after we do that, we shortlist, um, because they, they have to be at a certain age range. So we work for the Creative Youth Bootcamp specifically, we work with young people between the ages of 16 to 25. So from their teenage years to their to young adults. And we work with them and then we ensure that, you know, um, they're able to um, adapt into the environment. So it's important that we have that age range so they're not far apart. And then after that happens, um, after the audition, we shortlist them 
and after we shortlist them, um, um, we, we, we select the top 25 for each cohort. And when they come into the space, um, the first, one of the first things we do is to break them into groups right and in breaking them into groups we tell them to come up with your group names a group chance <laughs> uh -huh. so um and we also assume the posture that all groups so usually the groups are like five 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 groups and we we assume the posture that this is nigeria okay. imagine that each of of each of this each of the groups are regions of nigeria so we are one group, but we are different. We're, we're also different groups, right? But anything that happens to one group affects everybody else. And sometimes during the course of the program, we would move people around from group to group. And mm -hmm. that frustrates them. And like, if there's something wrong in this group, <laughs> someone could go there to help develop what's happening there. And so that also creates a mindset mindset shift you know in the way they process things um and of course one of the very integral part also of the boot camp besides exposing them to the intricacies of drama dance visual arts music fashion branding um, um, um and now we do mobile phone storytelling which is critical mm -hmm. um thanks to covid for making us innovate and upgrade you know our course notes um but one thing that is also integral to our to the development and the programming is what we call the reflection sessions. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I called reflection re reflection sessions almost like um, our, our own version of social therapeutics, where um, we we create a community. Usually, we sit in circles, and we play with different um, serious topics. Um, sometimes one of the things that I do very well um, is the performing um, of performing of a lifetime performance of a lifetime with them, which I learned, of course, whilst I was at Eastside Institute as um, an international as a member of the international class. And it, that performance of the life of a lifetime just breaks breaks everyone's <laughs> vulnerability and gets them to open up. And so we love that very much. And they perform using the gifts that they are innately aligned with. And in doing that, they're able to talk about they're able to talk about issues that are most pressing to them. And in the course of working with them. 100 youths in the course of one and a half years working in Abuja now. Um, one, one subject that has kept coming up is the issue of gender-based violence, mm -hmm. especially rape, rape, rape issues amongst um, the females um, in, in the group. And um, we've had performances around that, that they have come up with, that they have written, and it has been a therapeutic process. Um, a lot of them become bolder, more confident and, and less judgmental and um, ashamed of what happened to them when they were six years old or when they were teenagers. Um, They're able to live life without that, that burden on the inside of them. And, and that has been, um, uh, uh, that has been really, really um, great, you know, running the program with them, especially reflection sessions. You know, that's, that's so interesting, Rita, because you've said twice, you just said running the program with them, 
And you also <laughs> talked about co-creating the environment. Talk about how, because I mean, there's this, we, there's this, you know, very abstract term entrepreneur, but it sounds like the, you and the young people are the entrepreneurs, the self-organizing, making this up as you go. And I'm wondering what that looks like in terms of the young people's involvement. Absolutely. Um, we are like myself and, and my team, and we're steeped in this quote, which is, which is a developmental quote quote that says nothing about us without us uh -huh. so it's like especially when we had the COVID, when covid happened so when covid happened we were um just about running the second cohort of the creative you boot camp and we were two weeks in which meant that we had like really delved in deep into we had delved in really deep into our activities. The young people were already immersed in the whole process. And we had to take that hard decision to stop the boot camp and tell everyone to go home. But in doing that, we had to sit down together as a family, as a community, and say, you all see what's going on, right? How can we keep things going? <laughs> how do we keep things going whilst you know the pandemic you know runs its course mm -hmm. and we together yeah planned what that would look like there's no way we would have been able to do it alone right um and we were able to revolutionize the use of whatsapp because of speaking with them and saying, this is the best way to access us. We were able to create content with having 25 young people in different locations, recording different parts of a storyline. And we're able to, to develop um, a, a five, five episode series called Fake News Police and a 13 episode <laughs> series called word for word because we created together young people are amazing but they just want to be part of something they want to be they do not want to be talked at they want to um create together they want to be a part of something they don't want to be seen as oh someone is just dominating me that oppressive nature and authoritative nature wouldn't cut it out for youth development they want to be part of the process of developing. And that's what we try. We always are conscious about that. We always call ourselves back. Even the entire development of the organization, we, we strategically have a youth advisory board. And the youth advisory board are think tanks, right? They tell us, this is, we're feeling the pulse of the youth. We're closer to the youths than you are. This is where we are. Like, Currently, we're running um, a program with the Global Play Brigade, um, which, um, uh, uh, which helps our young people with their mental health um, wellness. Mm -hmm. And this was um, in response to um, what I shared with you about the NSARS movement. And the Global Play Brigade rallied around, raised funds so that our young people would have access to all of the online emotional support meetings that are still ongoing today. Now, this happened because the advisory board held a community meeting with other, um, all of our youths everywhere in the country and said, this is what's happening. 
we want to respond to this. How can we respond to this? And a lot of them said, we want mental health support at this time. Um, and we want palliatives and we want to be able to keep creating content on social media so that even though the government doesn't want us to keep matching, you know, on, on the streets and protesting for our rights, we can keep doing it through social media. So they came up with that and in co-creating, we're just there to facilitate the process and use our, our global network, our local networks, to make sure that the voices of our young people are heard. Rita, this, this sounds so important, uh, particularly this last project that you mentioned that's providing therapeutic emotional support to the young people. Are they, In these groups that they're doing with the Global Play Brigade, are they joining with young people from other countries or is it mostly Nigerian youth? They are joining with young people from other countries. Um, and that is, and not just young people, but also older people from other countries. So there's no, and it's it's so interesting. Um, I, I remember being in meetings and um, I hear them calling some of my young people's names, like Prudence or Mali or David. And I'm like, really, they've become popular in these circles now, right? Uh, and, and, and that I enjoy. And then for them, it's a lot of exposure. And even for the, the GPB community as well, it's also a lot of exposure to what's going on in, in Africa and in Nigeria specifically um, beyond the news. And just interacting, knowing fully well you've interacted with a young Nigerian and you hear how they speak and how they compose compelled themselves and how they they envision things you definitely would see differently see things differently from how it is reported in the news sounds so wonderful and i think we should break right here and then we'll be back in just a few seconds okay all right <laughs> Hi, I'm Melissa Meyer, Associate Director of the Eastside Institute. Welcome to All Power to the Developing. I hope you're enjoying today's conversation. In each episode, we introduce you to some amazing performance activists, play revolutionaries, and developmentalists from around the world who talk to us about their creative grassroots efforts to build a better world. If you like what you hear, please follow and share the series. You can find us on Amazon, Spotify, and Podbean. We'd love to hear your comments and ideas. Like everything at the Institute, the growth of all power to the developing depends upon the people who create it and benefit from it. We hope you're one of them. Thanks for your support. And now back to our conversation. Yeah. Coming to us this, today from Abuja, Nigeria. I'm Jan Wooten, faculty at the Eastside Institute. And Rita, thank you so much for sharing the wonderful developments uh, that you're helping to lead in your country. I thought it would be for those who think that this came about, you know, overnight, I thought we could talk a little bit about your history and how you built the Street Project Foundation starting back in, wow, right after you got out of the university. Uh, the program's now in its 15th year. And yeah. talk to us about, I, I, I've, I've read some about how you went out on the streets and you found kids living on the streets and under bridges and talk to us about that and how you built this grassroots organization. Um. 
So <laughs> where do I start from? <laughs> After I left university, we usually in Nigeria have what we call the Youth Service Corps. Mm-hmm. It's mandatory for anyone who um, completes higher institution to um, be assigned, posted to a particular state and um, to just serve, to serve the nation for a year. Um, and so we usually wear like paramilitary uniforms, <laughs> learn how to march. Um, we, we're usually in a camp for a period of time. And then we are then sent out to organizations to work. Some people work in, in the public service. Some people work in private organizations if they're able to work themselves through. But another thing that's mandatory in the course of the um, service year is the community service itself. Mm-hmm. And so it's a day in a week where you're out of of where you're posting and you come to that community and you serve on a weekly basis. Now, whilst I was in camp, I met with some amazing young people like myself <laughs> and they had this dream. I was, already, I was already planning to be part of the drama community service development, which is also like, it's a special community service development group. But this set of young people felt, no, let's use music, right? Um, <laughs> let's create our community service group, right? And they talked to me into it. And I ended up becoming the vice president of that community service group. And what we did was we, we create composed songs that spoke of unity, peace, stability, um, um, spoke uh, um, that 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 was revolutionary and, and um, getting people to stop the violence, getting people to be conscious about HIV AIDS at the time. So we used music in a great way. Now, it wasn't just about the fact that we composed music. It was how we went about singing our songs. So we'll go to the, under the bridge. Like if you know Lagos State, because I was posted to, to Lagos State. So if you know Lagos State very well, it's highly populated. And what ha- happens under the bridge, you have a lot of buses, right, under the bridge, and lots of human traffic under the bridge. And um, this, this is the location for the masses. So we'll come with our speakers, microphones, our big banners. <laughs> And we will jam. (laughs) And I I worked in an NGO called Women's Optimum Development Foundation at the time. And so I would come with all of these flyers on social issues so that whilst we sing, we're distributing and sensitizing people about, you know, social issues and what they should know and why we should keep Nigeria together and all of that. So it was, it was fun. It was, it was so much fun. And then we ended up becoming like the, the National Youth Service Corps choir. Um, so when there was an event, we would all come with our uniforms, we would sing. We also went to schools and we sang. So one year <laughs> was over and I just couldn't see myself not continue, continuing, um, continuing this. And I was like, what can I do with this, right? Everybody, and the truth is, everybody goes back to their various base um, after the youth service. And I can't gather the same set of people. So at first, it started out like, um, it was started out like um, a religious um, 
gathering of young people because that was what I knew. So the first thing we called it at first street praise. So we're jamming and doing the same thing that I did during my youth service year. But I knew that that wasn't exactly what I wanted to achieve. I knew it in my head, but it did take time to process it. And it was in 2008 that I got it clear. But Street Praise happened in 2006. So that was where the, the building and burning of, of, of Street Projects started. Um, and it started building and I knew that I, I wanted an organization that was for young people, developed by young people. Um, and I wanted it to be a sustainable organization as well. And I worked in advertising at the time and I'm a very, very visual person. So if you've seen the Street Project logo, you would know that it's not something that was just directly um, um, created um, digitally. It was done by hand at first. So it was a sketch. And I looked at this logo for a long time. And every time I looked at this pencil <laughs> sketched logo, I kept creating and I kept writing what I saw Street Project to be. Um, in 2008, we then decided, um, I was able to now, I was, I kept selling, of course, the vision to as many who would want to hear. Um, of course, some people fell along the way, but it didn't, I wasn't perturbed. I kept moving on, but we started our programs first in orphanages, in hospices, using the performing arts to, to, to bring about um, um, change, transformation. Sometimes we give scholarships, Sometimes we, we gave food and books and all of that. So, but one thing that remained constant was we always brought the creative arts to the space. We always brought music. We always brought drama. Um, I remember an orphanage where we actually got a keyboard and got um, a, a music teacher to teach them for six months. Um, so that they could gain some interest in the arts and all of that. And then um, sometime in, um, I think, 2010, we did our first competition called Project Raw, which is very similar to the All-Stars um, um, project um, um, competitions and all of that. And um, we ran that in 2010, 2011, 2012, and it kept evolving. We then started including mentorship into the, the whole game. We started including um, internships and it has evolved and has kept growing ever since and now we have um, in 2014 um, because of this consistency in working with young people I, 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 I was awarded the Mandela Washington Fellowship for Young African Leaders um, and I was already like a senior copywriter in advertising at the time but for me it was a sign the moment I came back from the fellowship I knew it was time to, to do this full time um, mm -hmm. and in 2014 14 took it on full-time um, along with my consultancy work and it has blossomed ever since and it's evolving beyond my wildest imagination you know I, I now with you on such an international a global stage you mentioned that you did some of your postgraduate training at the Eastside Institute through the international class you're a leader in the performing the world international community. You've talked to us a bit today about the Global Play Brigade and your work with uh, performance activists from all over the world and young people. Yes. What impact do you think that your growth and development has on the young people 
whom you're working with. How, how is that impacting them, do you think? So there is this quote um, that we like to recite. Um, it's by, not a quote, it's a poem, but the, the excerpt of it um, talks about by shining your light, you're giving others permission to shine their light. And that's um, Marion Williamson's um, poem. Um, uh, my deepest fear is not that um, I'm inadequate. My deepest fear is that I'm powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, <laughs> that most frightens us. Um, so for, for, for me and for the community, we are not shy to shine our lights. And if shining our light means gaining relevance in the global community, then we will do that. If shining our light means securing an award, um, which I just did recently, I got an award from the Lagos State Ministry of Wealth Creation and Employment. Um, it's an award for excellence in entrepreneurship development, um, which happened on the 18th of, of, of March. And um, it's, it, that in itself um, says a lot. It's like, if the leader of our community is able to achieve this much, is able to travel the shores, is able to meet with people across the world, different disciplines, I can do likewise, I can do same. Um, there was a time where we tried to get some of our young people to come to the United States um, to, um, to present a play. Um, um, uh, and that didn't happen because of, of border issues and visa issues and all of that. But these are the things that they are now dreaming of. These are young people who, are, who live at the backside of, of the most poverty-stricken areas in the country. And um, because they see um, that I'm reaching, they also believe that they can reach. And if they reach, they can also achieve. And with the Global Play Brigade now as well, and all of the cross cultural um, activities going on, even though it's through the emotional support meetings or the teen space meet meetings, it's something. They, it, it opens up, it's a mind expanding experience for them um, that enables them not take a posture of looking up to the North, but being a part of the community. So the Global South, with the North, the Global North can work together in developing our world equally. And it's getting them to that mindset, to think that way of their power. And I really think that, and I wouldn't stop reaching because I know that by doing that, I'm inspiring a community of young people to keep reaching for their dreams, their goals. Um, and if being on the global scene is what they want to do, they've seen me do it and they can achieve it too. Oh, I love this vision and the, the global South and the global North. What does the, I'm, I'm just thinking of the music that has inspired your movement and the voice of the young people. What, what do you and they have to say to our world? I know that's a big question, but how do, how do you think about what their voice is bringing to this global conversation on our future? Um, one word that just comes to mind is equality mm -hmm. and equity. I was watching a video recently um, 
that spoke about a lot of the borrowing and the lending that's happening to countries um, in the global south and how a lot of young Nigerians are already in debt, indebted to um, the global north, the Europe, America, even before they are born. And um, a lot of discouragement to continue borrowing from the global north um, because it's making us go into poverty even more. Mm-hmm. And um, it's important that the voices of our young people are heard because it's, it's their time. It's their time for leadership. It's their time to, to fight for, the, for equality. It's their time to shine. Mm-hmm. And it's important that the world becomes very sensitive to what's happening in the continent of Africa mm-hmm. and how six people are, are being sent back to poverty almost every second. Mm-hmm. Um, and with COVID happening, all of the successes of, 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 subsequent, of past years seem to have been swept and washed away because of what's been happening. And there are more unemployed youths. There are more um, people who are in poverty. And we, anything that happens to Africa affects the rest of the world. And it's important that, um, it's important that we are sensitive about the development of our young people in the continent of Africa, because it would speak volume, if not now, but in the future of the world. Um, so let's, let's, let's do all that we can to make sure their voices are heard. Um, let's do all that we can to, to fight for equity and equality in the world at large. And thank you, Rita Zenwa Koro. And if our listeners want to find out more, go deeper, contribute, help in any way, they should, they should go to streetprojectfoundation.org. That's streetproject.org.ng. Streetproject.org.ng or follow us on social media, Street Project Foundation. Thank you, Rita, for being with us today. Wonderful to, to talk to you about your work. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jan. This has been so nourishing and refreshing. Thank you.